Welcome to Scripps Talks. We have Katie Prem today joining us from New York City, where she works in the tall buildings of television uh, and network television. So, Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Katie, talk a little bit about what your normal life is like, both professionally and otherwise, and then let's talk about the transitions or the changes that you've had to come to terms with. I work for NBC News at Rockefeller Center, which is actually where I have worked since I graduated from OU, which is almost 14 years ago. Typically, I've worked in my career in our on our breaking news team and covering politics, and just in the last several years, I have shifted a little bit away from those two areas to work for the weekend edition of the Today Show. So my normal life is being in the control room on Saturday and Sunday mornings, putting together pieces for those shows, as well as still kind of keeping a hand in our big political coverage and breaking news. So our big political coverage this year, obviously, being a presidential election year, things like debates and conventions as well as just the normal day-to-day news. I would like to know that transition from college to work world, because I think it is pretty remarkable that you've basically had one employer <laughs> since, <laughs> since, yeah. since graduation. So uh, I just think people would, de- would enjoy hearing that story. Sure. Yeah, no problem. I always kind of knew what I wanted to do, so I decided to study broadcast journalism at OU and did you know worked at WOUB and the post and I knew there was an internship with the Today Show. I applied for it and took the fall quarter of my senior year off to be a Today Show intern, which was a fantastic experience and I would encourage all OU students to apply for NBC internships because we definitely love getting students who, you know, can take the semester off and, and intern four or five days a week, which is always something we're looking for. Please send me your resumes. Um, but I did that and met some great people there and found out about the PAGE program. And when I came back to OU, uh, I applied for the PAGE program and I got in and I was really excited about it because at the time I had been just getting ready to start sending out my reel to local stations. And then I got the PAGE program and I thought, well, it's a one-year program. I'll see what happens. Worst case is... I'll live in New York for a year, I'll be a page, and nothing will come of it, and then I'll still have this reel, and I'll send it out to local stations. And for me, I was very fortunate uh, that the one year in the page program, one of the many assignments that I did, because you rotate through on different um, assignments, and I chose to do a lot of news assignments as opposed to entertainment assignments or PR assignments. Um, I realize that PR is news, let me rephrase that. I chose to do a lot of assignments in our news production uh, at NBC as opposed to doing entertainment or PR or something like that because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And one of the assignments I did was in our specials team and our elections team doing that breaking news and covering politics and elections. And it just happened to be good timing for me that when my time in the PAGE program was nearing an end, they decided to hire someone uh, for a two-year job to cover the 2008 election. So the job was 2007 and 2008, and then we'd figure out what happened after the 08 election. So I took that job, and it ended up becoming a full-time position, and I stayed, and I covered many elections from 2008, actually from 2006 um, onward, and covered elections, covered, like we said, breaking news um, of usually sad instances, but also big events like 
um, when Pope Francis came to the United States for his visit, you know, I was one of the producers that worked on that and, you know, worked on the Super Bowl in Minneapolis a couple of years ago. So it wasn't all just doom and gloom and politics. <laughs> um, and I worked with that specials and elections team literally until last year. And it just, you know, got to a point where I had been there for a long time and I thought maybe it was time professionally to try something a little bit different, a little bit new. And because the specials unit uh, at NBC works with so many different units and across our huge organization, the specials unit, when we plan these big events, we were working with Nightly News, The Today Show, Dateline, Meet the Press, all of MSNBC, all of CNBC, all of Telemundo, you know, so I knew people in all these different departments and I mentioned I was looking to try something else and there happened to be an opening um, on weekend today and that was a good fit for me, got me back to doing stories, you know, kind of pre-produced stories as opposed to reacting to breaking news all the time and so I've been doing that now for uh, not quite, well, just about a year um, in this team uh, as well. So I do kind of joke that it's funny because I feel like this job, I'm now, like I said, almost 14 years after graduation, and this is really only the second line on my resume. Uh, having worked at the specials and elections teams, and then now at Weekend Today, so I feel like an anomaly all the time. And whenever students uh, or interns um, at NBC now ask to like meet and have coffee and chat about my career, and they always say, well, how did you move from here to there? Or, you know, tell me how you networked with people to change jobs. And I always say, oh, I'm a bad person to ask about that because I really never did change jobs. I've always been at NBC. I'm very loyal to the company after all these years. You know, you mentioned interns uh, and being mm-hmm. interested in having interns. And obviously a lot of our uh, students are, you know, in that process of looking for internships and everything's sort of been put on ice what mm-hmm. do you think is going to happen with internships at NBC in terms of whether any of those could move forward either as remote or is everything just going to be on hold for the foreseeable future? I think that, and admittedly, not every department can do this, but some departments are trying to continue remotely. It's a completely different internship than they would have in person. But I know, um, actually, both for the Weekend Today interns as well as the specials interns, because I do sort of still keep a foot in that in that world, we had a period of time where NBC asked all interns to stop coming in, you know, for their own safety. This was kind of the end of their internship. And after a few weeks, we realized, you know, there's a lot of stuff they could still be helping us with remotely, working from home the same way the rest of us are. And the interns have really stepped up. They're doing a lot of um, research for us. They've, we've been doing a lot of data collection on coronavirus cases, and they've been helping with those data collection projects. And the interns, as always, are invaluable. I always say internships uh, in our department, they're not about touching coffee, although that sometimes does happen, but it really is about working with us as a team. And I know that we're looking at the summer semester, which will be starting up soon, and it's going to be that same thing. We're going to have interns who are working remotely. It'll be very weird for them because they'll never meet any of us actually in person, but um, they'll still be working with us. And again, it'll be a completely different kind of internship than they would normally have, but I hope it'll still be beneficial to them. And once things get you know back on track and normal again, we'll go back to the way things were. And I hope that those interns you know, from the summer or from this spring semester that's almost over will be able to come in maybe for like a week or something when things are normal and at least get a taste of what a regular week looks like for us. 
but we really do rely on on the interns and i know we everybody at mbc we're always willing and i'm sure at other organizations as well we're always willing to sit down with the interns and talk to them about their career and answer their questions because we were all there once and we know how important that is for people to get those experiences figure out what they want to do and i i think it would be a real loss if we weren't able to continue that in some way well, you've had your share of breaking news, which Definitely. obviously is also political news. And I can sort of see all these things rolling up into a very busy time for you. We definitely keep busy. And having I worked in the breaking news team for uh, more than 12 years. And so it was very, I don't want to say it was familiar to cover horrible stories, you know, natural disasters, terror attacks, school shootings, and things like that. But it was definitely something that was regular and we were used to and it was very sobering to think about last month march 2020 i think i've seen a few places what uh, people were reporting it was the first time in years we had an entire month without a school shooting because of course there haven't been any schools but it just was a really sobering statistic to think about how many of those we've covered and now we're doing a completely different kind of coverage and in some cases what are the unintended benefits of everybody being home from school and, and home from those kinds of events it almost feels like there's a, a ceasefire that's happened both mm -hmm. in, in the foreign wars and, and the domestic kinds yeah. of terrorism events. Knock on wood that that's something that continues once things get back to normal. So what is your new normal now? <laughs> so my new normal, I'm talking to you now from my apartment uh, where I have turned my kitchen table into my home office. In order to have better connection, I'm going wired with an ethernet cable, which is stretching across my apartment, and it just makes it difficult to walk in an already small space. I work from home some days of the week. Today is a, is a work from home day where I am still doing the normal kind of planning for those big political events, doing pre-interviews on stories we're trying to do, conducting a lot of Zoom interviews as opposed to in-person interviews. And then I still go into the office, usually two days a week, sometimes more, kind of depending on what the week brings to be in the control room for our live shows on Saturday and Sunday morning for, for the Today Show. We have greatly reduced the staff that is coming in, actually, in person. It's been amazing how we've been able to figure out doing a lot of this remotely from home. But there are a few of us who are still going in to, you know, kind of just keep things moving, and I'm one of those people. But it's been sort of interesting because, you know, we went from having, I don't know, you know, 20 people in the control room to now there's about six of us, and we're all socially distanced. And for myself, that actually means the area where our prompter operator usually sits, um, the prompter operator has moved to a completely different part of the building. So I now sit where the prompter operator sits, which is its own tiny little room within the larger control room. So I'm definitely socially distanced, which I know makes my parents feel a lot more comfortable about me going into the office every week still. This is one of those really rare kind of stories that it's actually touching every person Mm -hmm. uh, every person who's covering it, every person who is on the face of the earth, basically, it's it's a common experience. And we've really never had anything that I can think of quite like that. I agree. It's one of those things where I've often thought more so in terms of like entertainment. But, you know, you hear about the, the good old days of when there used to only be three networks and we all had these shared communal experiences because there just weren't that many options out there. And I've sort of kind of lamented that because now there's so many options that everyone is so splintered and we don't have anything that brings us together in a, in a big way like that. 
obviously not that I want a global pandemic to be that thing, but it is interesting though, that now that we all are sharing those same experiences, we're all working from home. We're all missing our friends and family. It's been interesting to see how we're all tuning into the same things or reading the same things or participating in the same kinds of trends of, you know, crafting activities or apparently everybody's baking bread, you know, just these things that we're now all joined together and not just nationally, but globally. And again, an unintended benefit, I think, hopefully something that kind of makes us realize how much we all truly have in common. And speaking of uh, common experiences, I know that you uh, you posted about losing a, a friend and colleague at NBC. Yes. Um, I, yeah. I wonder if you would be willing to share some about that, what that's like, and maybe some about him. Like many people, we've had a lot of friends and colleagues who have been sick and uh, with this with this virus, and unfortunately for those of us at NBC, we lost one of our audio engineers, Larry Edgeworth, who was somebody who had been around NBC for a very long time. I'd known him probably since my first or second year working at NBC, and it was really kind of nice. I, I worked with some other people at work to put together kind of just a lot of photos and remembrances of him, and it was so beautiful reading everybody's stories and remembrances because we all said the same thing. He was the nicest, most friendly man. He always asked about you and your family and your experiences. And for those of us who started at NBC and kind of grew up at NBC, he was there on the first couple of shoots I ever got to go out on. He knew it was my first time and kind of, you know, would take me aside and ask me what I wanted to do and made sure other people knew that this was my event. And, you know, it kind of looked towards me and it was really touching that he was willing to kind of help everybody along and, and, and to grow at NBC. For me personally, I remember my one of my first big remote events for those like big political events that I, I typically cover. One of the first big political events that I was the producer on site for on my own as opposed to working under somebody else on my team was the 2013 inauguration of Barack Obama. And I remember being on site. We were in Lafayette Park across from the White House. And I thought, this is a cool event. I don't know if I'll ever be back here doing something like this again. I really want to grab a picture of this moment of myself. But I was embarrassed to do it in front of all my colleagues because it's a professional moment. So I sort of tried to sneak away and take a selfie. And Larry saw me struggling to get the White House and myself in the frame. And he kind of came over to me and very quietly, he just said, listen, it's your first big event. This is a big event. I know it's important. Let me take a really good photo for you. And that's just the guy that he was. And I have that picture now and... Unfortunately, I wish Larry was in it instead of being the one that took it. That's just the kind of person he was. He knew what events were important to you professionally and personally. And the last time I saw him actually was at a co-worker's baby shower. And, you know, he was just imparting how wonderful it is to be a parent. And that's how I'll remember him, just caring about everybody so much. But we all miss him. And that's what makes this covering this so hard because we have to, as journalists, we have to approach this kind of from a step removed so we don't get too emotionally caught up in it so we can tell the story you know without any kind of biases but it's hard because we all know somebody who's been affected by this and it makes it difficult but it also makes it real which is which is a good thing too you don't want to be too distanced from your stories i think there's definitely a benefit even though experiencing a tragic loss is hard to call that a benefit but it certainly makes you more empathetic i i would think and and speaking of empathy, you're, you know, you're living in New York. You're trying to get around New York. You're trying to manage 
all the things that you have to manage to live anywhere. What has life in New York turned into? It's very isolating. I live uh, by myself. I remember and wish for the days when I had a roommate just to have somebody else to talk to these days. You don't really see a lot of people. I'm one of the few people I see going in and out of my building actually to work on a regular basis. It's one of those things that now in New York, you're required by law to be wearing a mask if you're outside. But, you know, a week or so ago, you might still not be wearing a mask when you just like went for a walk around the block. I've always found New Yorkers to be friendly. I've always, you know, you see somebody on the street, you kind of nod and smile. But I noticed in the last week or so that that was even more prevalent. Everyone just kind of is giving each other a silent little smile. You know, we'll get through this together. But now that everybody's wearing a mask, you can't see that anymore. <laughs> so it's it's a little harder, but I know it's still there. But it has been really weird. After the show on Saturdays and Sundays, instead of immediately just hopping in a car and, and coming back to my apartment in Brooklyn, I've been going for just sort of long walks in Manhattan just to mostly get my fresh air and exercise in, too. And it's been just so striking walking through Times Square and there's nobody there and walking down the middle on Easter Sunday, I left work, walked over to St. Patrick's Cathedral, which was of course closed. I noticed that Fifth Avenue was totally empty where you normally see the Easter parade. So I just started walking down the middle of Fifth Avenue by myself, having my own little Easter parade of, of one. It was such a surreal thing. There was nobody else out. I saw a couple of mounted police officers going up and down the street and that was about it. It's very surreal. Did you happen to take a photo of yourself doing that? 100%. Sent it to my family, and uh, they were like, were you marching down the street as I was in marching band in high school? Not the 110, but in high school. <laughs> and I said, of course I did. I marched from St. Patrick's all the way up to Central Park. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to find a way to entertain myself. I've been asking people to send some photos of themselves in their new work environment that I could add to the the tweet about the podcast, so I have to ask for a picture of you marching down Fifth Avenue, if you don't mind. <laughs> sure thing. I'm very sorry about your loss of your, your colleague and friend. Thank and, you. Um, I think these losses are starting to, you know, add up. And mm -hmm. you, you wonder, you know, whether it's a John Prine or someone who's, you know, kind of a, a well-known celebrity or behind-the-scenes people. We're definitely understanding the, the real cost, plus all the people who are dying behind, you know, closed doors where we just don't even know who they are. One thing that I really like that we do and have done since before this happened is on Sunday today with Willie Geist, we've always done a segment called Life Well Lived. And it's an obituary. Usually, usually it's not for a famous person. Usually it's for somebody who did something that impacted your life, but you would have never known, you know, the people that invented the washing machine or Swiss Miss hot cocoa or something like that. We've always done that segment and I've always really loved it. And in the last month or so, actually starting with Larry, we have been doing people who died because of coronavirus. And it was, you know, it was Larry, one of our own. And we've looked at doctors, nurses, priests, teachers, all those people that are, you know, they're just like everybody else around this country and, and they, you know, lost their lives way too soon because of this. And I think it's just one of the things that we're able to do, I think, to highlight those people and the fact that we're all affected by this. And they're always really incredibly powerful. And our producer, Todd, who puts them together week after week, is doing an amazing job with that. I'd like to turn for a, a bit uh, to your expertise on political coverage and, and sure. 
How do you see things unfolding? I'm sure there have been a lot of high-level planning meetings and thinking <laughs> about what is, what's going to happen or what's possible. So what are some of the contingency plans, you know, without getting into all the behind-the-scenes proprietary stuff, but what sure. are some of the things that you guys are having to uh, consider? Like everybody else, we don't really know where this is going. So we're coming up with actually something I was doing right before you called is I was working on spreadsheets of our plans for the conventions and kind of a plan A, plan B, plan C based on where this will be. I don't think any of us thinks that this year's conventions are going to look anything like conventions of years past. So I guess that would have been plan. The fourth plan is, you know, everything's the same. But the other three plans we're looking at are, you know, do we do half of what we normally did? Do we do any anchors, some anchors? Do we do, do we send no one? Do we send a lot of people? And we're trying to game out all these different scenarios. And it's very difficult to do that because we don't know where we're going to be from a health standpoint and from a socially distancing standpoint. I mean, usually, usually the convention, you know, we're given a, a booth, like one of the press boxes or, you know, suites within a, an arena. And we turn that into an anchor booth and we are crammed in there 60 staffers all trying to fit in that room during the convention and I don't know where we're going to be in a socially distant world come August the same thing with our reporters on the floor all of the delegates are on the floor of the convention plus all of the reporters trying to talk to them and you can barely move 10 feet in an hour usually because there's so many people so I think that's this is going to be very different and it's hard to figure that out I mean they're obviously you've seen the Democrats move to their convention back a month, which they were able to do because the Olympics were postponed, but they moved their convention back a month hoping that things would have returned a little bit more to normal, but we just don't know. And, you know, we don't know what the debates will look like in the fall between, as we would assume, uh, President Trump and and Joe Biden. We don't know. Are those going to be in-person debates? Will it be like we saw the last primary season debate where it was just Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden? Kind of hearkening back, actually, to the days of the, you know, Kennedy-Nixon debate in 1960 or will they be similar to what we've had in the past with big audiences it's really hard to tell but it's also one of those things that in the big picture it seems so inconsequential but we know how much of this situation has become political either attacking the response or supporting the response of the of our federal and state governments so it's very much tied up in our politics and i think that people are going to be very invested in those conventions and those debates and everything leading up to the november election so we keep thinking it's important that we still cover those things, but we have no clue what it's going to look like. So, like I said, we're just gaming out, you know, 15, 20 different scenarios for everything. And we'll just keep revisiting it as we get better guidance on where this is as we get closer. But it's tough, though, to plan. And I'm a planner. <laughs> I have found in our, you know, in what we do with journalism education, thinking about, you know, what the future looks like is it's an exhausting, mm-hmm. it's an exhausting process of trying to game it all out. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, I'm sure with you guys trying to figure out when are students able to return and what does that look like? And not only just regular classes, but you know, the classes we all took in the broadcast school where you're working, you know, to put on the midday show and working at WOUB, like, are you even able to still go out and interview people and, and shoot you know, the events that are happening, that's got to be tough to figure out and plan for. Let's talk about that a little bit. What, what advice or lessons that you guys have learned working in the big shops in this environment, (laughs) what kind of lessons would you think would be useful for students to consider? I think honestly, one thing I was thinking about is I feel like we're all, like you said, kind of, you know, in the big city and everything, but I think we're all 
covering the news the same way these days because it's a lot of Zoom or FaceTime or Skype interviews. It's a lot of I'm interviewing somebody, but I also want to have some B-roll of them, you know, to use in the in the story, but I can't talk to them. So it's a lot of, oh, hey, can you send me some photos that I could use or can I grab some video from your website to use? And we're all in the same boat. And so we've had kind of a steep learning curve, but I think we've gotten there now in figuring out ways that we can record all this stuff from our laptops at home. We're doing all kinds of different screen captures and setting up my phone on a tripod to record what I'm playing out on my laptop. It's kind of crazy. And we've definitely missed being in 30 Rock where we have, you know, a great engineering team that's used to doing that stuff for us on a regular basis. But obviously we don't have access to that these days. So we've just had to be really flexible. And I think that that's so important for folks that are just starting out is it doesn't matter what you learned in school or what you've been doing your first couple of years in that first job. This is a business as so many different industries are, but this is a business where you really are learning on the job every day, whether it's the technical stuff that now you have to figure out how to do that maybe you didn't do before, or whether it's adjusting to a different type of interview or just whatever it is. I think everybody has to be willing to learn on the job to accept that what you learned or knew 10 years ago might not be the best standard of practice these days and adapt to it. And I think that's important for everybody to remember whether you're just starting out or you've been doing this 15, 25 years. When the dust settles and mm-hmm. the all clear sign is finally given, what what are the first things you're going to do just to try to restore some sense of normalcy? Personally, I want to hop a flight home to Ohio and see my family, but I think that they might make me fly home and then self-quarantine for 14 days before they'll let me give them a hug. Personally, I just miss being around people. As great as all these virtual happy hours and, or as my friends and I do, game nights and trivia nights are, it's just not the same as being in person. Professionally, I can't wait to actually go out on a story with a real camera crew again who I know is going to do much better at color correction and focus and all those kinds of things than I can do on my laptop. One of the great things about what we do is it's so collaborative, you know, sitting in a room with my editor or sitting in a room with the correspondent I'm working on and being able to throw ideas out and and work something through together and create a great story. We're still doing that now, obviously, but it's just not the same as doing it in person and that kind of rapport that you have. So I miss that. And that'll be something I'll be excited to get back to as soon as it's, safe for all of us to you know be within six feet of each other again katie pram i really appreciate you coming and sharing your thoughts and your experiences with our uh, scripts talks audience thank you so much of course thank you for having me go back